There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat, or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. And uh, put it in the air. Wave it like you care. Now, say, say 2017 will be a banner year for me. So it'll be the best year of my life yet. Now, 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 I got to set you up. As I told you, I'm already out of 16. So I'm just pulling you with me because I'm already in 17. All right? But, but to do that, I'm gonna, these last few messages, as I told you this month, are going to be setting you up for 2017. So it's so important that you just don't hear them, but that you're a doer. So I'm not just a hearer, I'm a doer. Lift your Bible high, let's make our confession of faith together. I am unconditionally loved by God and at harvest. I come to God as I am, but I won't stay as I am because the life-giving message I'll receive will make me more like the great I am. I'm on 10 and I win in Jesus' name. Go to 3 John 1, 2. This is not the gospel of John. This is the letter now and towards the end of your Bible 3 John 1 2 and there's one verse that I want you to read it's a verse that I've taught on before it's a verse that we're going to look at though through slightly different lenses and I want you to see this beloved I pray say, say desire. desire he says I pray that you may what prosper in what things all things and be what in health just as your what soul prospers now now let's read it again now let me tell you what that word prosper means in greek the language of our new testament it means that you'd have success in business and finances that you'd be profitable and that you'd be on the right path so here's what he says beloved i pray that you'd have success in business and finance that you'd be profitable and be on the right path in what all things watch this and he says and i want you healthy too what good is money and, and, and you're not healthy? What, what, y'all not saying nothing. What good are material things and you're not healthy? But, no, but notice the caveat. He says, just as or commensurate to or equal to as your soul prospers, which means your, watch this, your life can only go to the extent of your mentality. Your logic is your lid. Beloved, say that's me. I pray that you may prosper in what? All things. How many things? Which means God says, I want your relationships good. I want your family good. I, I, I want your money good. I want your car good. Everything about you, I want it to have success. And I want you to be what? Healthy. Just as your soul prospers, which means to fix everything before just, what do we have to first fix? Your soul. What is your soul? Your mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. Father, speak to us now that we will move and walk in what you have ordained. I pray that you tailor may customize this word for us, your people today, that we would now walk in everything you have ordained. We declare we are the head and not the tail. 
We're above and not beneath. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. And we thank you for all of the hell that this year brought. But we thank you that that was only to prepare us for a great, awesome banner year that is about to manifest for us. And we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. As you take your seats, I five, two or three people. Tell them today's message title. Say money matters more than you think. Money matters more than you think. You can be seated today. Uh, this month we began the message series called the misrepresentation of, uh, misrepresentation of Jesus to get to the facts about Jesus and Christianity and even dive into some taboo topics to see the real Jesus so we can see us. This week we asked people what they thought the Bible talked about most. Some said relationships, some said love, some said sex, baby, others said faith. But weighing in at over 2,300 verses, most scholars say one of the top subjects in the Bible is money. More than prayer, more than faith, more than heaven more than hell combined and over 15% of Jesus words were about money more than heaven and hell combined which makes it foolish to think that talking about money in church is taboo that it's wrong that it's misguided or done from ill motives and as your pastor let me be clear my motive in preaching about money is that I don't want anyone in our church in lack because their mentality is whack I'm going to say it again. My motive is that I don't want anybody in our church in lack because their mentality is whack. What's a whack mentality? It means it's the wrong mentality to have. See, that's why 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper, which means that you might have success in business and finance, that you might be profitable and be on the right path in how many things? All things. Touch your neighbor and say, all things. Gone are the days where just a couple areas of your life are good. Gone are the days where you only got one thing to look at and say it's good. You are stepping into the days of your life where every area of your life is going to be prospering. Y'all not saying nothing. Would you touch your neighbor and say it's time for every area to be that way? No, I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of just having a couple areas where things are, are together. It's time for every area of your life to be gathered so that everywhere you look, you can say, I am three times one, two. Touch your neighbor, say every area. So watch this now. This is important because he says, watch this, as your soul prospers, which means if you have a messed up mentality, you will have a messed up reality. If you have a broke mentality, you will have a broke reality. If you have a sloppy mentality, you will have a sloppy reality. Whatever your mentality is, it is the sum total of what your reality can be. Which brings me to my first point. Your money management reveals your mentality. Your money management reveals your mentality. Matthew 6.21, Jesus said this, For where your treasure is, which in the Greek language of our New Testament means treasury or money, he says, that's where your heart or mind will be also. In other words, watch this. Jesus said, he know what dominates our minds because of what we do with our money. Which means your money, watch this, is really uh, uh, a revealer. Watch this. Jesus said he'd know what's really important to us because of what we do with our money. If we were to evaluate what you do with your money, what would we determine is really important to you? Okay, it's real quiet in the church. Too many people separate their money from the most high, but they're not separate. I've said this before. They're like hand and glove, Hagen and Dawes, Ben and Jerry's, Crispy and Cream. GNN. Okay, see? Some of y'all been stuck on that Elijah stuff. You've been stuck on Elijah. Now, now, now watch this. Money is a revealer of what's important to you, while lack is a concealer. Please understand. You ever seen somebody that didn't have nothing? got something and you're like they changed no they just became who they could finally pay to be it's not that they changed it's that the real them that was always there has now been revealed now here's what I need you to understand uh, you don't need more money if you mismanage the money you have okay it's quiet up in here so many folks are talking about Lord I need more money Lord I need more money you mismanage your $10 an hour why in the heck would anybody give you more okay alright uh, touch your neighbor and say, how are you managing your money? Question, where's your budget? Or do you just, on Friday, do you just say, just Lord, just your will be done? Do you treat what you have like it's the best? Or are you always, are you like Ike Turner, always booking ahead when you ain't properly booked what you have? Okay, now watch this. I wrote a book on the subject that's full of God's principles about your money, and it's amazing to see the number of prayer requests about money juxtaposed to how many people have the book and apply the principles in it. See, your money management reveals your mentality. What does your money say about you? Are rims more important than... Okay, all right. Ooh, real quiet in here. It is... It, 
is, is having nice lunches more important to you than God? What does your money reveal about you? Here's the reality of it. Most of us don't ever track it, so we never even know. But Jesus said, I'll know what's on your mind. He says, wherever your treasure is there, your heart is also heart. In the Greek language of our New Testament, it's cardi, which means mind. He says, I'll know what's on your mind because of what you do with your money. And too many people got their money on their mind when the reality is they should have the most high on their mind and the most high will mind their money. Ask the neighbor, say, what does your money say about you? Okay, try that other neighbor. Say, what does your money say about you? For some people, your money says that you value hair care more than anything else. For some of you, your money says you value all the Victoria's Secrets more than anything else. Y'all not talking to me. For some folk, what you do with your money says you value dinner more than anything else. For some folk, you value white sugar, white flour more than anything else. It's quiet in here. For some of y'all, you value disloyalty more than anything else. Bishop, what do you mean? You spend your money on disloyal people. It's quiet in here. Your money management, watch this, it reveals your mentality. So now you got to understand money is actually a revealer. It's a revealer. Say it's a revealer. It's telling you what the real you is. That's what money is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, which brings me to my second point. Money answers everything, but isn't everything. Money answers everything, but isn't everything. Now, somebody's going to say, Bishop, what do you mean? Ecclesiastes 10, 19 says this. A feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry, but money, he says, answers everything. Now, check this out. King Solomon throws that in while speaking about something else, but its profundity isn't diluted. Now, let's rewind to you getting to church this morning to see how true this statement is in your everyday lives. How many people this morning you, you, you woke up? Yeah. Should be everybody. Okay. Now, how, how, now for, the, for morning people, here's what you did. Yeah. It's morning. Good morning. For the rest of us, how do we get up? Alarm clock. Now, here's the deal. An alarm clock for most people, what, you, what are you using on now? Your phone. How'd you get that phone? Money. Okay? Now, how'd that phone stay on all night? You charged it. How'd you charge it? With a charger. How'd you get that charger? Money. How'd that charger get power? You paid for the power. So now, you getting up this morning... All took money. Then, once you woke up this morning, what'd you wake up in? Bed, couch, air mattress, whatever. How'd you get that? Money. What was on that bed? Sheets. How'd you get those sheets? Money. Now, those, I hope those aren't the same sheets that you had on there last month that you ain't washed. So how'd you wash the sheets? Money. Well, now, you bought the money, uh, you bought the washer with money. You bought the dryer with money. Bought the washing powder with money. The water that went in there to go with the washing powder, you needed some money to get. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody say money. Okay, so, so already everything you did, just getting up and opening your eyes this morning took money. It's quiet, church. I want, you to see, I want you to see just how practical this verse is in your everyday life. So then, once you stepped out of bed, you stepped onto your floor. Your floor that's in your home that you either rent or buy, which requires money. That floor that's in your home, it required money to purchase the materials. And then somebody had to install it, and they were paid money. You ain't even fully out the bed yet. And everything all went back to money. It's quiet in this church. Don't get quiet on me. L listen, Jesus talked about this more than he talked about anything else. So don't sit up here and say, Bishop, talk about money. Yes, because in 2017, you got to make that your most masterful year as it relates to your money. You don't have time to be in lack. You don't have time to be broke. You don't have time to be in debt. You don't touch your name and say, I don't have time for that. Okay, so now, now you're out to bed. Okay, you with me? Now you're out to bed. 
now, depending on, depending on what you do in the morning, okay, let's, let's just maybe you go turn the heat on, maybe you turn the heat off, whatever you do in the morning, maybe you turn your TV on. So let's just go for the TV turners, okay, for the TV turners. What'd you turn that TV on with? A remote. How'd you get that remote? You bought it. What'd you buy it with? Money. Then what came on? Cable television or satellite television or Apple TV or Roku. How'd you get that? You paid for it. What'd you pay for it with? Money. Money answers everything. Then you started flipping the channels. Well, you can only flip to the channels that you paid for. Unless you got special circumstances where you get some stuff you ain't paid for. But somebody's paying for it. <laughs> Y'all still with me? Okay, now this is what Solomon said. King Solomon, why does this man ever live? He says money answers all things. So, so now that TV, uh, oh, by the way, that TV you paid for, that cable or satellite or whatever you paid for, okay? Uh, but but how do you, you turn it on with a remote? Okay, but, but how does the TV even turn it on in the first place? Power. That power uh, is connected to the television from the wall outlet. It's connected there by a cord. That cord had to be paid for. The power that comes out of that socket has to be paid for. Money answers everything. That's the first five minutes of your day and everything went back to money. Uh, you're not seeing it? Somebody say money answers everything. Okay, so then now after that, let's just say you, you get up and, and you go, uh, let's just say you go into your restroom. Let's spend some time in the restroom. Y'all want to go spend some time in the restroom? <laughs> let's spend some time <laughs> in the restroom, all right? You go in the restroom. What's normally the first thing you do? Turn on the lights. What'd you turn it on with? A switch. How's the switch in there? Somebody pay for it. What is it connected to? Power. Somebody pays for it. Then the lights come on. Your lighting fixture? I need to let you in on a secret. Jesus didn't put it there. It didn't fall out of heaven. Your lighting fixture was put there because it was paid for with money. The lights in the lighting fixture were paid for with money. The power that powers the lights that are in the lighting fixture were paid for with money. Then you turn on your faucet. <laughs> the faucet was paid for with money. Okay? The water that comes out of the faucet, you pay for. Now, either that water's going to be hot or cold. That water heater that heats the water, you paid for. The pipes that the water goes through was paid for. Then if you're like me, you turn the shower on so the whole room can steam for 15 minutes. Or not 15, maybe five. Because when you walk in there, you want it to be like you're in a sauna. Okay, all right. Well, to do that, that had to be paid for because that shower head was bought with money. That tub was bought with, are you getting this? Okay, so let's come out of the bathroom. Now, now you're ready. Now you're ready. Now you're ready. So your curling iron, money. Your razor, money. Your, your all this here to get your face together, money. Your loofah, money. Face towel, money. Drive towel, money. Anybody else call them drive towel like me? I call it drive towel. The big towel is the drive towel. What about them drive towels? Money. Somebody said a hair towel. Money. Your shampoo. Money. Now you'll get the point. Once you get the point, then I'll move on because you ain't got the point yet. What, what did Solomon say? Money answers everything. So far, your entire morning was answered for with money. So why in the world shouldn't you be smart about money since money answers everything? Half of your neighbors say, you got to master your money. You got to master your money. So then you get in your car. How'd you get that car? Money. Or you leverage other people's money, which is called credit. That you pay back at an interest rate that's higher so that you actually end up paying two or three times what it's actually worth. But it's still money. You turned on that car with a key. What made that key? 
eventually it gets back to money. Okay? How did you drive that car? Gas. You had to go buy the gas. How'd you buy the gas? With money. So, so far, your whole trip of getting to church today was brought to you by money. Passion didn't do that. Love didn't do that. Faith didn't do that. Money did that. So what does King Solomon say? Money answers everything. Now, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. People have inaccurately said that money is the root of all evil, but it's not. 1 Timothy 6.10 says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is a tool. Money is a resource, not your source. But check this out. If you love money, watch this, every decision you make will be based off of getting all the money you can and then canning all the money you get. And Satan wants Christians to be poor and consequently the church to be poor because then we can't answer anything. I need you to catch that. What answers everything? Money. So if you don't have that, what can't you do? Answer anything. So all the problems in the world, you can't do nothing about except look at them and complain because you don't have what the answer is. The book says if you want to change something, get you some money so you can go change some stuff. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. In America, in America, some folks, and I don't want to get political, but some folks in America argue that America is really an oligarchy. An oligarchy is where the rich really rule, and they rule by controlling those that are in political offices. Now, you can argue that one way or the other. I don't want to get into a political discussion with you. Here's the point. Here's the point. In our nation in recent months, we've watched how people act and can even treat other people when they have the answer. What answers everything? Money. We watched in our nation how certain folk act, how certain folk do, how certain folk can even win different things when they have the answer. Okay, it, it's quiet in here. Uh, now, now, so, 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 so if money answers everything, t- touch your neighbor and say, we need some. And say, we need to manage it well. Okay, so don't let anybody sell you this bill of goods that God wants Christians poor or that God wants the church to be poor because that's not true. Because if that's the case, we can't answer anything. It's quiet in the church. How are we going to feed people and you can't feed yourself? How are we going to change the community and you can't change your house around? Y'all not saying nothing. Now, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. He'll stand by the, and be devoted to one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, here's what people say. You cannot serve God and money. That's not true. Mammon is the love of money. Now, here's what's interesting about the verse. Stick with me. Mammon and God were placed at the same level, meaning that if you love your money, you can't love God. This is the only thing Jesus taught about that he ever taught about where he gave it some level of equality to himself. He says, you cannot serve that and me at the same time. Now, here's the important thing. You should have money, but money shouldn't have you. Stick with me. Stick with me. See, money answers everything, but money isn't everything. Did you catch the point, church? Now, say, I should have money. Money shouldn't have me. Now, the best example of this is Jesus himself because Jesus was not poor. In fact, Jesus did so well in business as a carpenter, which that word carpenter is interesting because in Greek it's the word tecton, which means builder, which means Jesus was a builder of things before he ever stepped into full-time ministry. He learned how to build stuff, not just necessarily buildings, not just necessarily furniture. He learned how to build organizations. He learned how to build things. And watch this. He did so well in business as a carpenter or builder uh, that we learned from Mark 6, 3, that at age 30, he was able to go full-time in ministry and hire 12 guys full-time. Now, your image of Jesus, for most folks, has been that, you know, he was this kind of weird old kid that one day at 30 was like, I'm God. I ain't got nothing, but y'all just come on and I got faith. No, for 30 years, he was building. 
he was building. And at age 12, he says, woman, to his mother, he says, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? He said, I got some business to handle, and my business is not going to be sitting here acting like the rest of my brothers that ain't doing nothing, ain't going nowhere, ain't trying to do nothing. I'm working on something so that when I turn 30, I'll have enough saved up and stored up so I can walk into what my assignment is. Y'all not... Now, watch this, watch this. Uh, in John 1, 38 through 39, uh, it shows us, we talked about this a little bit last week at the 915, that Jesus had a house. And the Bible suggests that his house was large enough that some of his early staff stayed with him for a little while. In John 12, 8, Jesus said this, for the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have with you always. Notice, Jesus didn't include himself in that categorization of poor, which means Jesus was not poor. In Matthew 27, 35 and John 19, 23, it, the scripture teaches us that Jesus' clothes were so nice that once they crucified him, they cast lots to see who would get them. You don't cast lots for rags. Which meant that Jesus did so well, even in his death, they wanted his wardrobe. Now, don't take this to be materialistic. I just need to teach you the truth. Say, Jesus has been misrepresented. Say it, say it. Say it one more time. Say, Jesus has been misrepresented. Now, watch this. Scripture says, they cast lots to us to see who would get his clothes. John 12, 6 says that Jesus' ministry did so well financially that in John 12, 6, one of his 12 key leaders' full-time job was to manage the money. Now, you don't need to hire a CFO to count pennies. Okay, you here, church. You don't hire a full-time bookkeeper so they can keep books on $2. And check it out. The bookkeeper was a thief. He was embezzling money the whole time. But Jesus did so well, Jesus knew about it and still had more than enough because he knew how to manage his money well. All right, it's quiet in the church. Okay, now, and finally, what well, I said, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, that what? What? Read it with me. What? Come on, talk to me, church. Read that verse again. That though? Uh, y'all, y'all a little quiet. Now listen, I know it's a little cold outside, and I know y'all still warming up. But you need to come on, because I got 10 minutes left. You need to come on. Now, <laughs> for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, read it. Okay. That though he was poor, that though he was in lack, that though he was dusty road, that though he was broken in a joke, that though his money was funny, that though his chains were strange, though he was rich, which in Greek this word has dual meaning. It means both naturally and spiritually. See, Jesus says, listen, it's not either or, it's both and. See, some people think, see, because they'll, they'll take scriptures like this, well, Bishop Thorman, doesn't the Bible say, brother, that it'd be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom? Sure, you need to read it in context. What Jesus was saying was that people who love their money, they're going to find it difficult to love God. Why? He already told you, you can't serve both. But Jesus, verse, Jesus said, verse, Jesus said, come on here, verse, Jesus said, uh, or the scripture says, rather, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes, he became what? poor that through his poverty we might become what rich which means on the cross Jesus gave that up voluntarily so that we could have what's called an exchange it is what's called the imputation so he imputed uh, for us his poverty for our riches naturally and spiritually did you catch that yet for your sakes he became poor that you say me say your name through his poverty might become rich. Now, I don't want you to get materialistic here, but I do want you to understand that God says, it's nothing wrong with you having money. Just don't let money have you. There's nothing wrong with you doing well. Just don't let that become your identity. There's nothing wrong with you having stuff. Just don't let stuff become your identity. See, you make the stuff, the stuff doesn't make you, which is why I think I got a few witnesses that had some stuff, lost some stuff, and discovered that the stuff never made you you. It was you that made the stuff. Now, now, check this out. He wants you to do well, both spiritually and naturally. I know what somebody's thinking. Well, Bishop, what about all those folks in third world countries that, 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 are, that, that, are, that are struggling? What do you say about that? I say read the Bible. The gospel, the scripture says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. What's the gospel to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. 
Are you, are you catching this, church? Okay. Well, why would God allow that? Because it's very simple. Very, very simple. Let me just go ahead and deal with that, too, because I hear somebody asking that question here. But why would God allow? Why would a loving God allow that? Look, please understand. God's love is free. The quality of life you live has fees. His love is totally free. Okay, but let me prove it to you. Parents, how many of you, 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 got, you got kids that you love? You got kids that you love. Okay, how many of those kids that you love do some crazy stuff sometimes? Okay, and, and it ends up costing them a lot. But you still love them, you just can't intervene. The principle is the same. Sometimes you got to sit back and say, I told you not to get that card. Now you're going to have to sit here and figure that out. Because I'm not bailing you out, I'm not the federal government. Are you hearing the point, church? All right, all right. Now, it's, it's kind of kind of, kind of quiet in the church. All right, now, say he wants me to do well. 3 John 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way or in all things, even as your soul prospers. So what did we start talking about? That your reality can only match your what? Mentality. Say it again. Your reality can only match your what? Okay, now, check this out. Which, 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 which means, even as my soul prospers, when I know better, I can choose to do better. Say it with me. When I know better, I can choose to do better. Now, when I know better, I can choose to do better. Doesn't mean that I will. How many times have you learned something and looked at it like, that's good, that is good, and then do nothing with what you learn? We've all done that. We've all done that. How many times, you know, did you, I remember what really started several years ago, what started me in changing my eating habits as I watched this documentary about different food and how they were saying in the documentary that it really wasn't food. And, uh, and I watched the documentary, and part of me was like, God, I wish I hadn't watched this. Because now I know that I can't go and get me a number four, which uh, add extra mayo, add cheese, add onion, chop it in half. With a Coke Zero. <laughs> I said, now nah, I can't go do that because I learned. I said, they, they said this stuff ain't real food. So since this stuff ain't real food, I can't even mess with it. Now, once I learned better, I had to choose to do better, which means information alone means nothing if there is no application. In fact, information with no application will lead you to spiritual constipation, which means you're never making any progress because you're sitting on knowledge, but you're not doing anything with the knowledge you have. But I think there's some people at this 9.15 a.m. experience that say, I don't just want to sit on the knowledge that I have. I want to use the knowledge that I have so I can see progress in my life. Would you have five year old and say, it's time for progress, time for progress. So it brings us to our third point. When you know better, you can choose to do better. And you need to know, third point, Jesus watches your giving. All right, you can get quiet on me all you want to. I came and prayed up. In other words, how you manage your money matters to Jesus more than you think because Jesus watches what we give and how we give it. Okay, Mark 12, 41. Now it's all right, preach, Bishop. You're going to have to carry yourself through this one. That's fine. Mark 12, 41. Now Jesus, now who's Jesus? God. He's the anthropos, the God man. So much God, you can't believe he's man. So much man, you can't believe he's God. He is God in the body. He is Emmanuel. What did he do? He sat down opposite the treasury and saw how the saw what how the people put money into the treasury which meant jesus said i'm not just watching what you give i'm watching how you gave it and many who were rich put in what much now this is significant this is significant he said the rich folk they gave a lot look at verse 42 then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a conscience. I've taught you this before. It's basically a half a penny. Verse 43. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those have given to the treasury. Verse 44. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. Next verse. It says, then as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples uh, said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Look at me, church. Here's what happened. Jesus says, I sat up and watched the offering. Jesus said, I'm watching the offering. And he said, I watched to see all these people with their Gucci. And nothing against Gucci. I'm making a point. He, he called them rich. I watched them with their Gucci and their Louis 
and they're Christian Louboutin and they're this and they're Versace. I watched them come up and I watched them give, but I watched them give with an attitude different than hers. And then I watched this woman give, who this woman had less to give than all of them, but her faith was greater than them because they gave out of abundance. She gave out of lack. Notice what Jesus didn't say. She shouldn't give because she doesn't have it. Many times people have this mentality. They'll, they'll say stuff like this. Well, I just feel that, you know, God knows my heart. He does. He knows you're stingy and selfish. Here's what they'll say. I just feel it's not all about money. No, we just read it is. We just read that. Money answers everything. No, we just read that. So don't, don't play God because watch this. Because watch this. That Bronco game you're going to be watching later on. How are you going to watch it? On TV. Or you're going to be at the stadium. How'd you do that? Money. So don't sit up and come to God and say, I just want spiritual stuff. I don't want to talk about money. Money is spiritual. That's why the love of it could be the root of evil. Because it's spiritual. You missed it. If the rub of money is a root of all kinds of evil, that means money itself is spiritual. Are you catching the point? Okay, which is why, watch this, you have got to break a poverty mentality, you've got to break a lack mentality, you've got to break a just getting by paycheck by paycheck mentality. Doesn't ever say you got to break that mentality. Ask the wrong neighbor, tell the other one, say you got to break that mentality. So, so, so here's the question, here's the question, if Jesus watches the offering, what would he record about watching you when it's giving time? Because he watches the offering, okay? Now, now again, if you're offended by this and all that, then, again, you, I don't know. I just gave you all the evidence you could possibly want in the world. And if you're offended, you're probably broke. And, and that's how Satan traps Christians. I'm offended talking about money. No, we got, where else are we supposed to talk about it? Where else are we supposed to talk about it? The Bible t talks more about it than it talks about any other subject. Now, one, one scholar argued this. Well, the Bible talks about love, the concept of love more than anything else. They said because God is love and it talks more about God than anything else. And there's 3,000 verses that deal with the concept of God and the concept of love. But that's a stretch. Stretch. 2,300 verses. Now, t t lay your hands on yourself. Say your name. Say it is not God's will for me to be in lack. Say it is not God's will for me to mismanage money. Say Jesus watches the offering. Now, I need you to see this. I need you to see this. Because you're supposed to be the interruption to whatever financial foolishness has existed in your bloodline. And here's the reality. Maybe you're doing great financially, but you have a bad attitude about money. Okay? So this message is for all of us. Now, here's how we should give. Say faithfully. The opposite of faithful giving is casual giving. And casual giving is a failure to give faithfully the way God tells us to give. And instead, it gives when it wants to, how it wants to, if it wants to, which is why everything always falls through for casual givers. Casual givers, but I, I put in a hundred last week. What was that? I mean, just, you know, I, I put some on it. Do that with cable. Put some on Comcast. Tell them, I sent y'all $50. And they're going to say, and ma'am, sir, you owe us more than that. Pay us what you owe us. Or you're going to get the lady on the screen that tells you we got some problems with your service. Try that with your phone bill. You know, I, I'm just going through this month. I'm going to send y'all a little something. I'm just, I'm just, it's been a rough month. Send them a little something. Okay, you're going to have another person answering, taking your calls. The Cricket subscriber you have called is not answered, taking calls at this time. The Verizon subscriber you have called is unavailable. Message D in for <laughs> Let's just be honest, church. Do that with your card note. I'm just having, I'm just having, I just don't feel like giving to y'all. Okay. You're going to walk out on one of these zero degree mornings talking about, ooh, I can't wait to get in the Where's my car? Oh my God. The devil is busy. No, you didn't pay what you owed. All 
right, church. Come on, be a good church. Okay, but here's what I love about it. Even if you've had some financial setbacks, even if you had some money blockages, even if you've had some money issues, that was there and this is now. Lack is over, abundance is here. Failure is over, abundance is here. Somebody holler, I received that. Now, I said, faithful giving provides your living. And the number one reason when people give and it seems like it doesn't work is because they're casual givers. They're inconsistent. And for your money to be good, you must, be, you must do consistently what others do occasionally. No farmer goes out and shows one seed and says, where's my harvest? He sows seed, more seed, more seed, more seed. Nobody goes, watch this, watch this. No married couple can have one time where they talk nice to one another and be good for the rest of the year. Be like, I gave you all your compliments on January. So go read the notes I gave you from January. Girl, you know I love you. You know I, 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 I love you. Well, tell me, say something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nobody does that. So why do you think you could, child, I sowed my seed back in August. That was August. So when you're inconsistent with it, you're like, it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work for you because you're casual. And anything you're casual at, you're not committed to. And whatever you're not committed to, you can't expect a return from. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, watch this. Malachi 3.8. I'm almost done. I'm almost, almost done. Malachi 3.8. All right. Say money matters. Malachi 3.8. Uh, this, is, this is the book of Malachi means messenger. So it is really God giving a message to a church. He says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. And you say, how did I rob you? How, how, did, how did you rob him? In tithes, what? And offerings. Mm-hmm. Verse 9. You are cursed with a what? Curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Curse means an empowerment to fail. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Storehouse represents the local church. Tithe represents the first 10% of any gross type of uh, income or revenue. Now, here's what some people say. Well, Bishop, Bishop, when they were tithing in the days of the scripture, they were giving grain and produce. It was an agricultural society initially. And when money was created, money became the the, uh, means of exchange in which the tithe then translated to. But it's just like, watch this, if if you're a cheesemaker and there is no such thing as money, then guess what, then what's your exchange going to be? Cheese. Cheddar. (laughs) Guerrero. Provolone. Monterey. Swiss. American. Gross. Okay, so, (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Okay, side note, Bishop Bright took me to this Mexican restaurant in Austin, and I looked at the cheese on top of it. I said, sir. He said, yes, sir. I said, Bishop Bright, Vice Chairman of War. I said, sir, what is that? He said, oh, they put American cheese on it. I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, sir, we are in a Mexican restaurant, correct? Mexican cuisine? Chips and salsa and Mexican cuisine. This is Mexican cuisine. Okay. I said, so where they put American cheese on burritos? And then I ate it. And I said, okay, this is actually very good. Total side note, just wanted to throw that in there. For those of you trying to do something a little adventurous tonight for dinner, put some American cheese on your burrito. Okay, back to the text. Back to the text. Verse 10. Bring all the ties into the storehouse. What did he say? All of it. Which means a tithe is not after you paid everybody else, here you go, God. A tithe is the first 10%. That there may be food in my house and try me now in this, test me now in this, says the Lord of what? Hosts. That means the God that fights for you. If I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing or empowerment to prosper, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devour for your sakes. See, some people wonder why stuff bad, that's bad doesn't happen to you. Some people say, you're just lucky. I ain't lucky, I'm a giver. And when I'm a giver, stuff that should come my way, he'll block it. Stuff that should kill me, he'll block it. Stuff that should make me lose my mind, he'll block it. Because he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sin. That's how you didn't get in a car accident this last week and watched other people get in one. And that's why if you did, God said, I'm going to keep you through it. Why? Because I rebuke the devourer. By the way, rebuking of the devourer means he'll rebuke people that are in your life to devour. So there are certain people he'll dismiss and your giving will do it for you. 
let me prove it to you. After you give great seed, you'll see that certain people disappear. He rebuked the devourer for your sake. Let's move on, move on. Feels great in here. Watch this. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. Means everybody going to look at you and say, you are blessed. And you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, th this verse says that there's this unknown curse. Say unknown curse. That there's this unknown curse that exists. He says, uh, he says, you are cursed with the curse. Now, it doesn't say it necessarily be on your money, but it'd be somewhere in your life that comes as a result of not being a faithful giver. Here's my question. Is the unknown curse worth the cost? Is it worth the cost? Because you might say, well, Bishop, you know, I'm doing good financially. I don't tie, but I'm doing good financially. Right, but your relationships, mm. Okay, why? Because the curse will find where you're most vulnerable at. And then that's where it attaches itself to. So, okay, it's real quiet here. So maybe, maybe, maybe your children, maybe your children are the issue for you. So, so, so maybe, maybe money really wouldn't get your attention, so it'll go visit your kids. It's quiet in the church. See, it's this unknown empowerment to fail. Say, say it's not worth the cost. All right, so that's how we should give. How should we give? Faithfully. And who watches that? Jesus does. Now, I need you to get that. On Friday, just got paid. I don't know the rest of the words. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Jesus then looks and says, all right. Oh, you feeling good now? I got that check, huh? Where my money? I woke you up. I gave you brain. I gave you life. I gave you strength. I gave you health. Now, are you going to put me first? Or is Capital One more important than me? Are you going to put me first? Or is getting Bay something for Christmas more important than me? Because if it is, all right, I watch the offering. I know this is kind of in your face, but I just, I want you to have a very prosperous 2017. So would you just do your pastor a favor and just say, preach it anyhow, Bishop, would you do? Because I want you to be able to walk in abundance, in overflow, and I want you to be blessed to be a blessing. Right, watch, 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 watch this. So here's what we give. Nehemiah 12, clearly shows us that there are four ways we give as Christians. The tithe, offerings, and the first fruit. And then there, there's a secondary offering that's called a love offering. Now, they're clearly laid out in Nehemiah 12, 44. The tithe is the first gross 10% of every dollar earned or received, and it includes everything. Say everything. everything. Including child support, income tax refunds, unemployment, babysitting money. Everything. Somebody say everything. Okay. Now, 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 you have to be religious about it. Somebody hands you $20, you got, you got to say, okay, great. Let me run to, let me go to the store and get change so I can give God his money first. I don't go spend it because if it's not the first, then it's not the first. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, the tithe combined with offerings open up the window of heaven and it rebukes or stops the devourer and it pours you out blessing or empowerment to prosper. Watch this. Not necessarily money itself. It could uh, manifest in ideas, opportunities, inventions, favor, wisdom, the right connections, and it rebukes the devourer, which practically could be stopping a bad financial decision. Avoiding a, a bad financial decision or not getting in a relationship with somebody that would drain you or stopping identity theft. So I want to make it real practical for you. Say empowerment. Come on, talk to me, 915. Say empowerment. Now, check this out. We pay the tithe, but we sow the offerings. See, Leviticus 27 says that the tithe belongs to God. Say it belongs to him. Okay, but we sow the offerings because offerings are seed. Now, check it out. The bigger seed we sow, the bigger harvest we reap. And the scripture says God is looking for somebody to prosper because he gives seed to the sower. So it might as well be you. I'm going to say it again. It might as well be you. See, you don't just need your needs met. You need more than your needs met so you can be a blessing. See, if you only get what you need, you can't bless somebody else. But when you get more than what you need, you can be a blessing. I feel it here. And Genesis 12 says that we are blessed to be a blessing, which means I don't just need enough for me. I need enough to be a blessing for somebody else. Would you have five, five people say you're blessed to be a blessing? Best to be one. 
Oh, come on, five of them. Blessed to be one. Blessed to be one. Blessed to be one. Here it is. I got to wrap up. Second Corinthians 9, 6. Here's what it says. It says, but this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Now, we ain't talking about the tithe because the tithe, what? Belongs to God. Okay? All right. So, we're talking about everything above that. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap how? Bountifully. What does sparingly mean? A little bit. What does bountifully mean? Whole lot. A little bit. Whole lot. What you want? Now, listen, you can sit there and try to be, you know, religious and pontificate. Oh, I'll just take a little. Well, then give me yours. Why? Because I'm not going to use it selfishly. I'm going to use it to change some more lives. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Are there any people in here where you've graduated from cash, cars, and clothes? Your, your mission now is what can I do to bless somebody else? What can I do to change lives? I'm beyond material stuff. Who cares? Watch. Watch. So let each one give, verse 7, as he purposes in his heart. What is he talking about here? Not the tithe, talking about the offering. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful gift. Because God says, I want you to be happy about it. Because I watch what you give and how you give it. Which means I don't want you doing me, like you doing me a favor. I want you to be happy. Even if it's your last, I want you to smile. Just like that widow woman did. She wa- watch this. Imagine how self-conscious she felt walking down there with her half a penny in her hand. And these other people got these big old bags and they got all they got assistance and stuff bringing all this. And this woman's like, oh, my God, but mine is so, so little. But she says, listen, but, but, but I'm going to put him first, though. And she walked down there with her half a penny in her hand. And Jesus, when she dropped it in there, Jesus looks and says, my, my, my. (laughs) He says, this girl here, I like her because she got more faith than all the rest of y'all because that was her last. That was out of your abundance. Watch me give her favor for her giving her, y'all not saying nothing, her last. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 7. So let each one give as he purpose in his heart, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Verse 8. And God is able, I've taught you this verse before, to make what? All grace. What's grace? It's favor. What's favor? Preferential treatment. And God is able to make all preferential treatment abound or turn toward you. That, say your name, always having all sufficiency in all things. See, look at me. When you're a faithful giver, even when it looks rough, God says you will always have all, I got some witnesses in here. All sufficiency. And all, you can be at your rock bottom. And God says, I will make sure that you eat good, that you live good, that you I will take care of you. You will always have all sufficiency in all things because he is the God that does exceedingly and abundantly above all. Verse. He said, verse. And he said, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Say your name. So read it with yourself. And God is able to make all grace abound toward that always having. What does always mean? Always. Which means, watch this. For those of you that are faithful givers, are you worried about Christmas and you worried about this, you worried about that? You better drop that worry off. Because God says you will always have all sufficiency. In all things, would you touch your neighbor and say, I got all sufficiency. God says, I'll give you so much favor, I'll do you like I did your bishop. I'll make them change the rules just for you. Say, I got all sufficiency. That you have all sufficiency in all things, that you may have an abundance. Have a what? How much? Do it like this. How much? How much? And don't hit your neighbor in the face. Unless they ain't listening. Then mess them up. Okay. What? For what? Every good work. Say lack is over. Say lack is whack. I'm just telling you what the book says. That you might have an abundance for what? Every good work. Now, here it is. Here, here, here it is. Now, Jesus watches how we give and what we give. Today, when he looks at the offering, what is he going to say about what you give and how you give? 
Not just today, every day of your life. And I need you to get to hear me because I'm not preaching this from an agenda other than I want your 27 to be your best money year ever. In every area, but today we're talking about money. We've been talking about a lot of other stuff throughout this month, but today we're dealing with money. But, but I want you to look at your 2016 and say that was, woo, but 2017? Believe me, it's going to be huge. That's your name and say, believe me, believe me, believe me. Going to be huge. It's going to be huge. You have not seen a great money year yet. You not, we're going to do great things for your money. Now, here, here's the practicality of it. At Harvest, your faithful giving empowers your church to reach people you may never speak to, never meet, but your giving has changed their lives. And when you stand in front of God, he's going to read you the list of people that didn't commit suicide, the people that didn't become a statistic, the people that gave their lives to Jesus because of your faithful giving. So I want to challenge you today. If you're not a faithful giver, I want to challenge you today. Start it today. Well, Bishop, let me do it after Christmas. That's, you, didn't, you haven't been listening. Have been listening. Have been listening. I challenge you to do it today. I do it. So I'm not telling you to do something. I'm not teaching you to do something that I don't do. It is something that I do, and I do it. Really. I can't wait to wake up, walk over to my laptop. No, I'm, I'm smiling the whole time. I'm excited the whole time because I get to give. I get to give. I was watching, I told you a couple weeks ago, I was watching something my bishop ministered several years ago. And in that, they, were, they received an offering. And when they received that offering, I sold it. Now, this was years ago. I got online and sold it as if it was happening today. So this is a principle that I practice. And I'm a living witness. I've been practicing for years. Touch your neighbor and say, God wasn't lying. It works. That's why Malachi, he says, test me. Try me. Try me. You, you'll try Amway. You'll try Mary Kay. Y'all not saying nothing to me. You'll try It Works. What else? Name them other ones. You'll try prepaid legal. Nothing against any of these companies. I'm just making a point. You'll try all this other stuff. God said, what about trying me? And do it the way I told you to do it. And when you do it the way I told you to do it, I'll turn all grace toward you. So I want to challenge you. I'm totally done. I want to challenge you. I'm totally done. Totally done. I want to challenge you. If you're not a faithful giver, start when? Now. Okay? Now, why should I start now, Bishop? Because now you know better. So now you can do better. So here's the challenge. For your money to get better in 2017, your mindset has to be better than 2016. So the first part of that challenge, if you're not a faithful giver, start today. If you're a faithful giver, keep on keeping on. Okay? But then here's the second component to it. Get the book. Get in your finances in order. I was chatting with somebody, and they were telling me about a situation they were going through. And I said, did you read that book? And he said, well, I read part of it. I said, well, had you read all of it, that decision you made, you wouldn't have made. And, and the trouble you're dealing with, you wouldn't have because the book, the book would have given you the counsel not to do that. I said, so the trouble you're dealing with was trouble because you didn't read the book. Just follow the instructions. So I want to challenge you. And just to be clear, again, because, oh, he's trying to sell his books. I don't get a dime. It all goes back to the church. Just so we can be clear. Because let me, let me overcome your objections now. Okay? $5 from your book sale is not coming to me. Okay? So, two, two parts to the challenge. One, if you're not a faithful giver, start when? Now, second part to the challenge is, if you've not read the book, or even if you've read the book, getting your finances in order, read it again. Why are you teaching us this at the end of December, Bishop? Number one, because you got a week of shopping left, and I don't want you in crazy debt, getting stuff for people who forgot that they even, you even gave them a gift card. The second thing is, is that to, for your 2017 to be better for you as it relates to your money, you've got to do things differently. And so when you know better, you do better. For your money to be better, your mindset has to be better. Amen, church. Amen, church. All right, any people committed to having the best financial year of your life in 2017? That's not how you shout. Any people committed to having the best financial year of your life? Come on, make your bloodline angry. Anybody committed to having the best financial year? All right. 
So those are the challenges. If you're not a faithful giver, tithes, offerings, first fruits, start it when? Now. And then everybody, I'm doing it myself. I'm going to reread. I wrote the book. I'm going to reread the book. Because there's so many powerful principles that can help you in your finances. Let's pray. Father. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.